And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Very first episode of 20. <laughs> you might hear. <laughs> you might hear. Uh, it is currently uh, the loudest recycling truck outside. It's just slamming, slamming around. Slamming around. Um, the first episode of 2022. Here we are. We are doing it. Oh, let's see. You might notice if you're watching the video, you might notice a big old, uh, huge difference in how I look and maybe even how I sound. I had to get a new computer. Just uh, one day last week, I pushed out four episodes of News Time that need to come out. The last four of uh, tw- or the last three of 2021. As well as the um, last, uh, the first one of 2022. So I managed to get those out, and um, I'm technically back on schedule. And Thursday night, I go to pick up the laptop again and check on something because one of the videos was uh, copy copyright stricken, and they blocked it YouTube because it had an episode of Bluey uh, playing in the background, no sound, only video. Jesus, these YouTube is uh, just garbage. Anyway. So I, I, I'm doing all. I'm do. I, I'm checking that. I pull up. I, I literally pull out the laptop, open it, and I know it, the battery had half, at least sixty percent left, and uh, it had gone to sleep. I press the button, won't wake up. I keep pressing the button, won't wake up. Press and hold, won't wake up. Uh, try to uh, discharge whatever's in the battery. Uh, still doesn't work. Try to charge it back up. Doesn't work. Call Lenovo. They uh, have nothing to say. <laughs> Because it's out of warranty. And, you know, my seven-year-old laptop kicked the bucket, I think, almost exactly seven years. Because I did get it around December of 2015, I believe. Or maybe or maybe December of 2016. I know I got it when I was at NBC. So probably 2016. And uh, it's six, seven years with that laptop. And, and it, just, it just kicked the bucket. Uh, but I do thank it for giving me the last four videos of, of, uh, of, of, of news time. I just, I was, I was, I, <laughs> and then Friday and then Friday, I just, I said, oh my gosh, I can't. Cause all I have is my work laptop and then the iPad. And then I had two options. I said, buy a new computer or use the iPad for an inordinate amount of time, uh, until I can figure out what's wrong with the laptop. Uh, then I realized, yes, yeah, you know, the laptop's old. Might as well just get the cheapest, well, not cheapest, but try to get something new. So I wanted a Dell XPS. Couldn't afford a Dell XPS 13 laptop or, or uh, 15. Well, one of the newer versions. And then I decided that uh, let's 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 get one of these uh, little mini Macs, these Mac minis that have been out for a bit. And, uh, and now I have a Mac mini. And then people ask the question. Why do you have an Android? Why do you have a Mac? Why do you have iPad stuff? Because I like it. Because uh, some stuff is better than other stuff. And you know what? It was easier to go into uh, the, the the Apple store at Linux and pick up whatever this thing is. So yes, having a Mac is great. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. I, I'm definitely going to have to get uh, some type of uh, 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 Windows laptop to, to go along with this thing. Because... Uh, there's just there's just stuff I miss currently, but it's nice. I had to get a Mac Mini and I got a um, what's it called? Uh, a 
desktop screen monitor is what people say. So yeah, and I got the cheapest monitor I possibly could because I spent uh, $700 on this mini. No sales, even though there were sales a month ago. <laughs> so <sighs> that is that is that was my Thursday night going into Friday afternoon. I do think, uh, 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 who is it? Um, uh, Apple for being so accommodating to me. Thank you, Apple. I appreciate it. Let's get on to the first story because I have things to do. First story is about NPR. And uh, no longer do I have to worry about <laughs> recording this show using uh, using the uh, recording audio, recording video, and going on the internet at the same time. Because the Mac Mini, even the base model, is just that good. I can do everything at once. It's great. I'm not limited anymore. <laughs> So let's get on with it. NPR has uh, a big issue with retaining its talent. This comes from The Verge. NPR is losing top talent. Dash, dash. Everyone has a theory why. This comes from Ashley Carmen. Okay. So over the past couple of uh, months, NPR, I would basically the past year, NPR has been losing its, uh, uh, its, its biggest names. That includes Audie Cornish from All Things Considered. You know that voice. Noel King from Morning Edition. And Lulu Garcia Navarro of Weekend Edition. Uh, let's see. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Wait, what? Okay. Anyway. Josh Johnson. Joshua Johnson also left uh, 1A. And then Shireen Marisol Miraji left uh, Code Switch. Oh, did Sam Sanders leave as well? I didn't know that. Interesting. Oh, okay. No, he just mentioned it. So, we are seeing this, and I don't want to say exodus because it's that's not what it is. But we are seeing these people leave these jobs for something bigger and possibly something better. Joshua Johnson left 1A to host a show on MSNBC. Audie Cornish left uh, All Things Considered, and it was announced just this morning that she joined CNN Plus as a contributor. I don't know if, she, if she's a host or anything, uh, which she should. I wouldn't leave a, a hosting a news, like a, a radio job for a, a contributing job, but I hope she left. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let, let me check her Twitter, because uh, I'm not saying, yeah, she's uh, she's on at CNN Plus, da, 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 da. She is radio journalist. Okay, no one's getting specific about this. Anyway, so NPR, you know, it's it it, it goes to show that you know even um, public radio, they're they're in this, they're restricted with what they can do, with what they can say, and and how how far they can go, uh, the contributors at least, and the hosts and everything, and uh, even the pay. The pay is just not good. And if you're gonna, even if you're doing this kind of not. Out of the middle of the road. When I say middle of the road, I don't mean uh, bad. I mean middle of the road. Like you're not you're not doing Democrat news. You're not doing Republican news. You're just doing straight up news. Uh, it's it. You can only go so far uh, when the paycheck can only take you so far. Who else left? Jacob Goldstein left uh, Planet Money in September. Uh, a producer left All Things Considered. 
two HR employees who are partners of the news and programming division left as well. I, I mean, it's boy, oh boy, it just stinks. Uh, CEO for, uh, from the, uh, uh, excuse me, an email from the CEO and President John Lansing acknowledged Cornish's uh, departure and the broader conversation happening around the moves. You can read the whole thing. They link to it in the, Miss Carmen links to it in the uh, Verge piece. But what she quotes is that all hands next week will, quote, talk about development and advancement at NPR for all staff, including our hosts. And also what's interesting is what Sam Sanders pointed out is that the people who left are all people of color. If you just listen, especially listen to the names, Shireen, uh, Shireen from Code Switch, Joshua Johnson, he left, Audie Cornish. These are all people of color. Lou Garcia Navarro, it's, uh, they can only go so far. Or women. If you haven't noticed a turnover, it's pretty interesting to see. And we ha- and at some point, uh, they're going to have to address to the public. NPR is going to have to address the public why this is happening. Now, I seem to recall maybe a year and a half ago that NPR also had. I saw a story from. Uh, oh God, I don't even know if I still have this, but I was I'm, I was thinking about doing a news time about it uh, and how there was not uh, a lot of possible advancement at uh at npr excuse me i'm deleting the schedule for the last four episodes of news time (laughs) let me see control f npr working at uh working as a temp at npr is is filled with pressure this comes from washington post this is i have to go to outline.com so i don't have to freaking pay for washington post (laughs) yes i'm stealing this one news story this is written december 9th 2018 before the heartbreak. <laughs> no, it was after. No, it was, it was before, before. And uh, and I don't. I mean, I'll link to it. I'll link to this too. But it's basically from what I remember is uh, it's this is in the wake of uh, Me Too happening at uh, news stations and 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 uh, or coming to light at news stations where it was like going around you know the entertainment industry. Uh, and the business industry for a, a year or two before that, but now it had reached television news and just talks about how temps uh, are. I mean, here's here's the thesis itself: temps are often left in the dark about how long their assignments would last and how much they would be paid, who they're reporting to, or what their title is. And NPR, that it's this is all NPR is just not. It wasn't a good place to work uh, as a temp, and there's sexual harassment uh, uh, complaints. This is why I mentioned it uh, against Michael Oreskes, the former head of the NPR's newsroom. Uh, according to union representatives, between 20 and 22 percent of NPR's 483 union covered newsroom workforce or one in five people are temps. The number varies from week to week as temps come and go. So uh, I, I just wanted to touch on that just a little bit. Uh, I, I completely forgot about that story until now. And I guess I'll link that. In this week's uh, thing, temp work at NPR is bad. <laughs> you gotta, I mean, you can only think of so much as you're working, as you're doing an episode of News Time. And possibly, I can only imagine that uh, the the NPR CEO, Lansing's, John Lansing's uh, next step after addressing 
what why these people left and how advancement can happen for people of color and women and women of color. They're people too. <laughs> women of color, but colon, they're people too. <laughs> this comes from Sarah Fisher at Axios. NPR is doubling down on podcast subscriptions. So right now, NPR is one of the leaders, if you look at this chart, uh, provided by uh, Sarah Fisher, and uh, and the data is done by PodTrack. The chart was made by Will Chase at Axios. You'll see that NPR is right under iHeartRadio in terms of active shows and unique monthly audience. Uh, it's I'm looking at it right now, and it's very interesting to see that iHeartRadio has... 619 active shows because I just, I'm sorry, I just heard the cat do something. Uh, it has 619 active shows because uh, uh, they just they just buy the life souls of people. But uh, NPR has 49 as of November 2021, 49, and it's only trailing iHeartRadio by uh, 12.4 million people, listeners. Unique monthly audience. So iHeartRadio leads with 32.6 million unique monthly audience. NPR is next with 20.2. Then Wondery with 12.4. New York Times 9.4. Disney with 8.3. In, uh, excuse me, the Walt Disney Company. NBC News is 7.9. And uh, it goes down from there. I don't know why Bar- Barstool. Don't listen to Barstool. Barstool's trash. They have, oh, God. Of course they have 69 active shows. Jesus Christ. Okay, so so NPR is going to add some new shows as well as subscriber-only bonus things uh, to uh, NPR Plus, which is I think it's different from NPR One. We they don't that doesn't none of this needs to exist. Subscription podcasts are basically need, are going to help drive NPR, which is already pulling in uh, a, a lot of money from donations because it is a public organization. But this is just another way to get it. Uh, podcasting attracts a significantly younger and more diverse audience uh, to terrestrial radio for NPR. If they, if people, if people like for me, for instance, if, if I hear that when I first listened to wait, wait, don't tell me or ask me another. And I knew that those came on on certain days, then I could, I could go, you know, I want to listen to this live instead of waiting for the episode to drop onto podcasting uh, uh, platforms. So there you go. Uh, most of their most of their revenue for APR comes from affiliate fees and corporate sponsorships, is what I basically essentially just said. This is the same thing to uh, oh yeah yeah that's right. PBS has a, a subscription service called PBS Passport, where you you know pay a certain amount and you get to watch all of most of what PBS shows are. There's not a lot of their stuffs not on there. Like if you're looking for some documentaries that aired once on PBS and never aired again, then you're out of luck. There was. When Hamilton came out, there was a, a Hamilton documentary that PBS aired once, and uh, I, I, for years I could never find it. And I would always there's and then there's another documentary that was also done for public broadcasting, and it's called Hamilton's America. And I and I and I kept thinking that one was it, and uh, it, it's not. It's not. Um, but there's another one that I eventually found, I would say last year on YouTube, somebody uploaded it and I just had to download it and keep it for myself. Cause I just, I want, I've never seen it, even though Hamilton mania is over and I'm uh, over it. I just, I needed to see that documentary. I don't think I've watched it at this point. So NPR plus 
is going to allow you to listen, to pay to subscribe, you listen to your favorite NPR podcast, uh, free of sponsor messages is going to be $3 a month or $30 annually to beef up the offering, which launched in August. NPR already already launched. Okay. NPR is adding more shows and subscriber only benefits to NPR plus NPR shares NPR plus revenue with member stations and co-develops podcasts with some of his local members. That's how one a was started. Uh, and, uh, I mean that, I mean, that's how a lot of their shows started one a, and I, I, I fresh airs out of W H Y Y. And I don't, and I think it, I don't know if it's an NPR affiliate, but yeah. So there you go. Uh, let's see tomorrow, right? Yeah. Tomorrow there's going to be a new, oh, excuse me, last Tuesday, there's going to be a new launch podcast NPR plus with, uh, Jay Williams. I think it's probably going to be a sports one. Who knows? Because he was on ESPN. NPR has been experimenting with podcasts for a long time now. But now that podcasting is a big thing and, you know, people will pay to see Conan O'Brien talk into a microphone for an hour, then uh, this is going to be what uh, they have. Anyway, (laughs) got to move on. This is 17 minutes for one topic or 12 minutes for one topic. Insane. This next one comes from Wall Street Journal, written by Joe Flint. Warner Media and Viacom CBS are exploring possible sale of the CW network. Uh, and uh, you know what? Let's move on because it turned out to be true. Mark Pedowitz, who is the CEO of the CW, put out a, a note to the staff last week that it is indeed for sale. Written by Tony Maglio over at The Wrap. There's no, uh, the only report of possible buyers includes Next Star Media Group, which I believe, and don't quote me on this. Actually, I'm going to double check before I even say this, uh, because I would like, I think I know what they own, and I, but I don't want to say it, because I think one of them is, let's see, Antenna TV. They own Antenna TV, Rewind TV, and News Nation. That's exactly what I was thinking that they owned. They own News Nation. One of the, I think it's MeTV or one of these, uh, 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 oh, but, uh, like <laughs> regular networks. I can't remember what they're called, but one of these regular broadcast networks that are only you know streamed uh, in some states of the country and not others. Uh, like this, like the last company I worked for, Bounce TV, which is only in like the South. Um, and court TV and all that stuff. They one of them turned into OAN, which is now a right wing news network. Uh, and so I just anyway, I just remember that. So uh, Next Star Media Group is reported to be one of the buyers. In fact, here's this is from Wikipedia. The company is the largest television station owner in the United States. Owning 197 stations across the U.S., most of which affiliates are with the major, uh, the four major U.S. networks, uh, uh, My Network TV, and the CW. So this would make sense for them to own, to fully own a network in themselves. I'm continuing from the Wall Street Journal article. Uh, people close to the talks said that they are far along, and an agreement could be reached soon. Though the talks could fall apart. Obviously, that's how things happen. Now, Warner Brothers, uh, now this is a joint operation between Warner and Viacom, or Viacom CBS and Warner Media. Uh, if you recall, this used to be UPN, or the Underpaid Negroes Network. <laughs> the joke's for two people and five people listening to this. And I'm one of them. <laughs> so, 
It's for one person. Uh, and we've got uh, an interesting development here. So uh, it used to be UPN, and then it turned into the CW. It merged with the WB, and basically Viacom, CBS, and Warner took half ownership, like Hulu. A lot of uh, the Warner Bros. superhero shows are on there, like The Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, Legends, the Bebo Christmas special, all of it. And a lot of those shows that are on the CW, including Riverdale, or uh, I don't know, never have I, is that a show? <laughs> no, it's a Netflix show. Uh, anyway, a lot of those shows that were on the CW, they they signed deals with Netflix, and they do spectacularly on Netflix. But then last year, as HBO Max gained traction, all the shows essentially just either didn't renew deals with Netflix or they're moving over to HBO Max entirely. Stargirl is an HBO Max, uh, even though it was an HBO Max show, or it was a DC Universe show, I think, then moved over to HBO Max and then moved over to CW, but the streaming version goes on HBO Max. There you go. That's how it's going to happen. Same thing for Batgirl. Batgirl now goes straight to uh, uh, HBO Max. CBS also produces shows for it, including Walker, which is the reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> I think Dallas is a CBS show. Who knows? I don't know. I don't really care. This makes sense uh, that that um, this this network is going to go for sale. It kind of stinks, though. Um, Warner HBO, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. AT and T is spinning off uh, Warner Media to with Discovery. Uh, this year, the deal is going to be done, and eventually in a couple of years, AT&T will be out of the TV business entirely when they make their billions that they lost back. And uh, and then Viacom CBS is going headfirst into Paramount Plus, as well as the Paramount Network, trying to get back into ruling the cable lands. So what will come of the CW? Nobody knows at this point. Who knows what the CW is going to look like and what it's going to be. Uh, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of co-productions. Unlike what Fox Broadcasting is doing with its shows where they basically uh, canceled shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or sold them off like Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, because, of, um, because they, they didn't fully own the shows. I think that... The CW uh, with NextStar is going to need a lot of uh, money coming in, and and they're gonna because they're gonna get just expand it to seven days a week for uh, original programming from eight to ten in that primetime slot. And even though they have shows like comics, not comics unleashed, but like comedy 2.0 TV or something like that, that do horribly, they get literally a hundred thousand viewers, uh, which is nine hundred ninety nine thousand. <laughs> And ninety nine more than I get for these for this show. Uh, it's it's they're going to they're going to have to make it up somewhere, and with Vi and they're gonna they're gonna start signing uh, more streaming deals. We're gonna sign a lot longer streaming deals uh, with Netflix and, and such. And I think they're gonna gonna try to keep shows like Riverdale and uh, and and. Uh, cult shows like I assume Walker's doing pretty decently for it to have stayed on so long. Um, I think they're just gonna they're trying to keep those shows as long as possible or try to milk them as much as they possibly can. 
and but you know yeah it's just broadcast networking is is more difficult than cable because i mean you have to fill episode orders you have to have so you have to have so much go right for 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 something to 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 work well on broadcast uh or a network has to have faith in you which (laughs) a lot of these networks don't especially when they cancel shows after two or three episodes this next one comes from The Wrap, written by Lindsay Ellison, New York Times, to buy The Athletic for $550 million in cash. So this was, again, another one of those rumors that happened last week where uh, it was like truly like an hour later after it was rumored, they said, yeah, we're going to do it. Well, this is like a day later. New York Times is going to buy The Athletic for 550 the acquisition will help the storied media company move closer to its goal of 10 million paid subscribers by 2025, adding the Athletics' 1.2 million subscribers added to the paper's existing stable of 8.3 million. Isn't that kind of cheating, though? <laughs> that's like, I mean, that, that's such a that's such a, a very strange way of, to to get your 10 million to to spend 550. Uh, but if they have ten million, then investors are going to be are going to say, "Hey, we should continue investing within uh, the New York Times organization." Now, this is this is uh, I assume this athletic uh, uh, subscription is going to be rolled into the main New York Times subscription, just like they rolled the Wire Cutter, which was a free resource that they did own uh, into Wire Cutter is a, a a website where a team of people buys and reviews with their own money. They don't accept these things, these these things, these things, <laughs> these uh, items. They buy and review the best stuff, they, the best monitor, the best uh, phone, the best laptop, the best uh, uh, spatula. They do. They buy and, and they review those things, and it you know it takes them so long. And it's a very good website. I truly enjoy it, and I go to it like every day to see to see new lists and everything. And uh, and I, I love it, but they uh, they they have been in the past. I would say two months they've been on strike because they uh, they have their own union, the Wirecutter Union, and they're trying to make they're trying to earn more money because the New York Times does not pay them well. And even though I am a subscriber to New York Times, uh, I'm going to complain about things like that. You need to pay these people well, and you need to <laughs> allow me to negotiate my subscription. <laughs> Twenty eight dollars is too much. <laughs> Okay. Boy, something just hit and fell. So Athletic will continue to be operated separately from the New York Times uh, uh, newsroom and sports section. Oh, interesting. I thought they would just fold that into a sports section. The paper said, though longtime Times executive David Perpich will assume the role of publisher. Oh, okay. Good for him. The athletic is—I uh, don't—I don't think I've ever gone to it on a regular basis, but uh, it would be interesting to to read another, just another another company that's not ESPN or Bleacher Report because uh, I think it's less toxic than Barstool. <laughs> I just don't like Barstool, and uh, yeah, it's it's good to have it's good to have another thing like this. I don't know why they exactly need the athletic, but. I mean, because their sports section is pretty decent. And it's not like anybody goes to New York Times <laughs> to just read about sports. I got to see how uh, the, the the all the football teams did. But I want to see, like, the baseline. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get in-depth to it. <laughs> I just want to see how they did it. 
The deal was complete as of January 6th. To some of you, it's uh, Christmas. <laughs> See what I did there. This is from the Hollywood Reporter. The Athletic launched five years. Oh, no, excuse me. Excuse me. This is from the Hollywood Reporter. Here's the headline. Oh, the camera just died on me. Oh, okay. Well, oh, it's back on. All right. Interesting. I don't know why it died. And I don't know why it popped back up. I don't like that at all. This coming from Hollywood Reporter. New York Times uh, seals a deal by Athletic for $550 million. We learned. This is written by Alex Weprin. We learned the Athletic launched five years ago. The focus on subscription, local sports, journalism. Journalism. So I think... I mean, with that, with that sub, with that sub lead, uh, that just tells you, I, I mean, kind of why they bought it, uh, that it's, it's, it's a local thing. And, and if I go to the athletic, uh, and I want to read stories about, uh, uh, the Atlanta Hawks that the AJC can't seem to muster to write about, or that, uh, you know, one of these other, uh, um, oh God, ESPN or Bleacher Report can't seem to write well about, then this is going to be uh, a lucrative deal for me as well. I don't think I've been to Athletic in several months. The website has changed. It looks clean and there's no ads. Also, my ad block is on. so <laughs> I turn it off for the places I go to all the time. I like the New York Times. <laughs> the company also moved aggressively to podcasts with sports-focused podcasts, a consistently popular genre. The company also began to explore free ad-supported content, beginning with this podcast push. The focus on written audio journalism would seem to pair well with The Times, which has also invested substantially in audio. The Times, like The Athletic, is also focused on driving subscriptions with advertising increasingly playing a smaller role in the revenue mix. Yeah, I mean, you can see it, uh, as I just said, I have uh, the, what's it called, the ad block off for some of the websites for Vox, uh, which is a website that you, that doesn't have subscriptions, but does have donations. Uh, it is overrun with ads, with giant ads that just take over whatever I'm reading. But for the New York Times, since the ad block is off on that, uh, I don't see much of anything with the exception of like, you know, just like the Amazon stuff and just tiny little banners and stuff and whatever. So good for New York Times. Uh, don't screw this up and stop charging me $28. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, I, let's, 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 let's scan over these, scan over these last two. This next one comes from the rap and it's a rap pro <laughs> piece. How Warner Bros. HBO Max experiment. Led to mixed box office results. So this basically goes written by Jeremy Fuster. This is basically goes over what went wrong with the the HBO Max releasing movies uh, like Wonder Woman uh, all the way to what was the last one King Richard or no The Matrix um, all the way to The Matrix on HBO Max uh, proper and in theaters and how that didn't work. I've already just dis- how didn't work. Excuse me, I'm getting worked up. How <laughs> I've already discussed uh, that Jason Keelar over at uh, Warner Media took basically took the blame, uh, which I don't think he should have. Uh, but he basically took the blame for uh, what happened and and why these movies that 
didn't do more than a hundred million dollars, and the only two movies that did like you know considerably well uh, in for for Warner were Godzilla versus Kong and Dune, uh, and then and 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 why this and why you know it it matters. I mean, but we were they were stuck in <laughs> here's the thing they're stuck in a hard place, and they were the only studio. The first Jesus, this thing keeps going off. Wonder what's going on. All right, let me. Uh, here, I'm gonna let's go to a break and we'll come back in one second. Here we go. We're going to break in three, two. Anyway, we're back. Okay, let's continue doing this. So, when I left off, uh, I was talking about um, how they were how Warner Media was stuck in a hard place, a rock between a rock and a hard place because they were the only studio to basically say, We're gonna try. This experiment, whereas Universal said, "Hey, some of our movies are just going to go straight to streaming," and then Disney said, "Same thing." Uh, and I mean, it just and then it kind of paints Warner Media as like the bad guy. I mean, what what were you going to do? And, and and yeah, part of this solution, what or part of this decision was to attract new subscribers to HBO Max, and you know what, it did it. And I mean, either way, I don't. I'm, the number is big, 73 million, I believe, point something million, uh, close to 74. And, uh, but let's just say the number that number would have been reached at that point regardless because HBO does have the shows and they do have the originals and stuff that people would like to see. I mean, out of all of the subscription services, people were going to have Netflix, Disney Plus, and HBO Max or any combination of the two. Three, excuse me. <laughs> Any combination of the two, which is just two. <laughs> oh my god! I do. I I will say that I'm glad I did not spend a dime on, uh, with the exception of the subscription, a dime on uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy because that movie sucked butt. And I saw In the Heights in theaters, so just like I saw it, um, what's that movie called? West Side Story in theaters. Go support. You know what? I can't even get into it. People complain about they're not big uh, people of color in, 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 move, in like big movies. And then they go see Spider-Man seven times in a row. But they don't see these movies where there's just gorgeous brown people dancing and singing. But I don't like musicals. Who cares? Who cares? Go see the movie. Jesus. <laughs> right, so... You know, take take that as you will. I, I mean, what what Jeremy has here is uh, a, a fine written piece, but I just I just think that it is um, easier to uh, not look. Uh, uh, mumble, 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 mumble. <laughs> this is the title of this episode. I spelled mumble wrong. Okay. Uh, we're going to save this last thing for the next episode because I kind of have to go. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where there are so many different things that you will enjoy. Uh, I just thought that I should just finish it out, but I'm not going to. Uh, if, <laughs> you can head to, uh, if you want to see a video version of the show, head to youtube.com slash cpluscomedy where you can see me sitting at a uh, same desk, cameras at a new angle, the lighting is harsh because the sun is shining bright because it is the morning that this episode is being recorded. 
and is releasing the same day. But I look good. I look fantastic. New computer. Same attitude. <laughs> also as well. Also as well. <laughs> that should be the title. Uh, oh, God. I'm getting a huge cramp in my hammies. Oh, my gosh. This is what happens when you run four miles every other day. <laughs> News time, premiere show for the website, and it is a, a weekly show where I take one news story and digest it down and try to make it funny. It's like the Daily Show, except way less funny. Uh, uh, last week, or this week's episode of this podcast, I was supposed to be recorded three days ago, last week's episode is uh, the blooper reel for uh, last year, the second part of the blooper reel for last year. Uh, you know, admittedly... I, uh, every year I do these blooper reels and they're supposed to be, usually I have like, let's say 30 minutes of bloopers. And then I usually cut like three or three minutes of bloopers. So only the good stuff gets put into across two parts and they're usually like 10 to, you know, 14 minutes long each. And, uh, this year I had 14 total minutes of bloopers, so I could not cut anything. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, Truth be told, I'm really good at the show. <laughs> I'm so good now. I'm so good now. Anyway, check out the blooper reel. Uh, like us on Facebook and Instagram at C plus comedy, Twitter at two <laughs> at C plus comedy. Uh, me on all those at Chad Black White. Um, uh, rate, review, subscribe to the show. I forgot how to end the show because I haven't done it in four weeks. I haven't done it since December 13th. So, anyway, we're going to go right now. Goodbye. Thank you.